a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. One thirty-eight is the time here in the KSL newsroom, and I uh, have been looking forward to this conversation uh, for all, all day. Since I woke up this morning, I knew that at some point I would need to sit down with Boyd Matheson uh, and work out some of my own personal feelings. You, you've heard, as I've been chatting throughout the day for the past hour or so, uh, that I do, I do have a, a sense of optimism. I am confident in our nation, and I am confident in the system that guides her. And I am confident that what transpired yesterday uh, is something that we will be able to overcome. I say that in the future tense because we still have some work to do. And if I'm honest, all of that was really a pep talk for myself. And uh, I, I often, in moments like that, where I find myself cheering, uh, cheering me on, <laughs> as well as uh, those of you listening, I, I need a little bit of uh, guidance. And uh, I often turn to uh, Boyd Matheson, who, as you well know, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio, the ed, opinion editor of the Deseret News. But uh, in terms of today and the conversation we're about to have, uh, he's also a former uh, Senate chief of staff. He understands and knows the great sacred nature of the halls that were invaded just yesterday and the sacred chambers of both the House and the Senate that were trampled upon uh, by insurrectionists just yesterday. And I, you know, I don't have the extensive history that Mr. Matheson has, but I did spend a little bit of time back there in these very rooms uh, that I saw ne'er-do-wells traipsing upon just yesterday, and it broke my heart, and I am nowhere near healed yet today. Uh, Boyd, can we endure this? We we can uh, and we will, uh, uh, and I'm uh, I'm with you, Lee. Uh, you know whether you're doing radio or writing, your primary audience is always yourself. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like I'm working through this uh, to try to figure it out for myself first, and uh, and we will get through this. And the reason we'll get through this is because that's what we always do. Uh, and, and to me, the the biggest reason for optimism uh, is the fact that the republic rolls on. You know, there were there were angry contemptuous people in the United States Capitol doing ridiculous things to very sacred ground uh, that if you look at our nation's history, uh, the things that have transpired there, the things that have inspired people around the world there uh, were treated uh, in ways that are just unspeakable. And and yet the republic rolls on. Uh, I just it thrilled me that less than six hours later, the vice president pounded the gavel Amen. and called the Senate to order, and the work of the people rolled on. The The founding documents didn't flinch. The principles pers- persevered through it, uh, and that's why we can have great hope to, to continue forward. And yet somehow the things feel delicate. 
You know, mm-hmm. somehow there it feels like we are on the precipice of something and some either mental shift or attitudinal shift or behavioral in terms of real action in Washington yeah. and elsewhere. Uh, need uh, to be uh, you need to be carried out to to right this ship. Are we on a ship in need of writing right now? Definitely, most definitely. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I I just barely wrote before I came down here, Lee, uh, that uh, anyone who plants thistles in the spring is not looking to harvest fruit in the fall. And we have had a season; we've had a decade of thistle planting in this country, and we're reaping the whirlwind uh, that comes with it. And and so we are in a delicate spot, and each of us individually and all of us collectively have to make a decision. Are we going to keep planting thistles and expecting something different, or are we going to recognize whether it's a politician, a celebrity, a friend? Uh, we got to say no. We say, no, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying into that kind of hate and contempt and anger and fear and frustration. Uh, I, I'm not down with that, and we have to reject it. And if we do that, then this does become a tipping point moment. It becomes an opportunity for us uh, to heal the nation. It becomes an opportunity to plant some fruit that our children and our grandchildren are going to reap the blessings of liberty uh, that it's really all about. You have a piece coming out shortly in the Deseret News. It contains four charges. Share them with me, and then I want to talk to you about the 25th Amendment. (laughs) (laughs) A great combination. (laughs) Yeah, four four things we all need to do. One, we, we need to take note. Uh, meaning we cannot let this moment go unchallenged and unquestioned and unexamined. If we do that, we will miss a great transformational moment. We got to look ourselves in the mirror individually and collectively. We got to take note of what happened, why it happened, and what's next. Uh, second thing we've got to do is we've got to take heart uh, for the very reasons we've just discussed. The republic rolls on. We should take heart in that. We should take courage in that, uh, which is the next thing to take courage. Uh, We all have to show courage, and courage isn't shouting at your enemies. Courage is shouting at your friends that they're wrong and they need to change. And then finally, we need to take action, and that's what we do. What are we putting out on our social media feeds? How are we handling people we disagree with or people who are different than us? Uh, And if we can do those four things, uh, that will end the era of thistle planting uh, and put us in a really good space. That point number three you made just there where it is, uh, you know, take courage, and that is not shouting at your enemies but shouting uh, at your friends, uh, there may not be anyone in this building who understands that more than 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 you and me, maybe. As this last uh, season uh, of politics has carried out, there has been division within division, yeah. and that secondary split puts you sometimes at odds with individuals you have uh, looked to for guidance yourself, yeah, yeah. Uh, who you have looked to for or as an example. And if we broaden this out a bit, that courage may need to be exercised uh, in your own home. Absolutely. There may be someone sending you email forwards or text messages. It has to start there, actually, uh, because if we don't get it right in our own homes, there's no way we get it right in our neighborhoods, which means it's impossible to get it right in our communities. Uh, And then you go to the state and the nation, and uh, then we're in a really bad spot. Let me ask you uh, an enormous question and give you very little time to answer it. Uh, Best kind. Conversations about the 25th Amendment right now, specifically Section 4, appropriate or inappropriate? Uh, those are appropriate conversations to be had, uh, always. Uh, and so I, I think the, the fact that the, the vice president has to initiate that, the cabinet members have to sign on to that. Uh, and obviously you have to calculate everything in, in terms of what is the actual threat to the country over the next 12 days uh, and uh, what is, the, uh, what is the, the threat of doing nothing. Uh, is something else going to happen or do we need to step in and what division will that action 
cause in the country as well. So it's an interesting balance. Something just occurred to me, uh, and I apologize for putting you on the spot here, but it's just a procedural question. Uh, impeachment proceedings, if uh, upheld in the Senate, the expulsion from office can also carry with it the sweetener of uh, you know a prohibition from running for future office. Correct. Is there something similar in the 25th Amendment? I have not. I've been looking for that, and I can't find it. Uh, I have not found out yet if if someone is removed from the presidency based on the 25th Amendment. I don't know if they can rerun for office four years later. I'm, I'm not sure. Here, here, let me let me just speculate and guess here, and that's what we do here in Tonk Radio. We'll <laughs> fact check later. Uh, but I, as the 25th Amendment, specifically Section 4, arose to deal with issues of physical incapacitation— I bet you that I bet you that that second step was not accounted for. The application of today's or the application of the twenty fourth Fifth Amendment today uh, is in a way that wasn't foreseen when it was initially passed. Yeah. So my guess is it's not there based based on that sure. uh, really good analysis, Lee. That was good on the spot analysis <laughs> uh, because I yeah I think the reason they had it was because if someone gets too old uh, or you know injured or whatever that that they would probably pass on and not be interested in running again. Sure. Uh, so I, my guess is there's not something in there, but. We will find out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Boyd Matheson, thank you so much. Uh, You've got this wonderful piece coming out shortly in the Deseret News. Folks, please check that out. Uh, Boyd, again, thank you as always. Opinion editor of the Deseret News and host of Inside Sources right here on KSL News Radio. Law and order. How is it upheld? What is the FBI saying? What is the Capitol Police saying? Have there been arrests since yesterday? KSL's own Debbie Dejanovic joins me next to get us all up to speed. That's ahead after the break here on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in today as we really just try to take a breath and look at what happened yesterday. Uh, I'm doing my best to share with you the new information of today, some of the bigger uh, developments from today. Uh, First, the tendering of the resignation by the sergeant at arms. Uh, for the House of Representatives, Mr. Irving, a man who I, I've crossed paths in the hallway uh, countless hundreds of times. Uh, you probably recognize him as the, the gentleman who, during joint sessions of Congress, when the president uh, addresses the two bodies, namely during the State of the Union, uh, he's the gentleman that says, uh, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the president, or Madam Speaker, he's the one making that uh, that call. He has tendered his resignation and uh, Speaker Pelosi says that she has accepted such and is now calling on the resignation of the chief of Capitol Police. Uh, you know, by listening to this radio station that we have ourselves an in-house uh, law enforcement expert. Is that overstate? No, that's an understatement. In Debbie Dejanovic, uh, and she joins me now. Debbie, how you doing here this afternoon? Well, I have spent uh, 30 years covering crime in Salt Lake City, um, and as you know, I worked as a spokesperson for the FBI, so I do have some insights, and I, I wanted to bring you up to speed on the latest information that I've learned um, over the last few hours since I stepped off the air here from the David Dejanovic show, Lee. Um, there's now a seven-foot fence, black fence being erected, supposedly insurmountable, erected around the United States Capitol, and that will stay there for 30 days. Uh, The National Guard patrolling the perimeter of the Capitol. Um, As you know, 
And as we've been reporting here, uh, four people died. One, a woman was shot. We now know she was shot by Capitol Police after a mob tried to infiltrate those house chambers. We understand her to be a veteran of the military from California. Yeah, uh, a 14-year veteran. Uh, Her name has been released. Ashley Babbitt, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, And as you mentioned, my first thought, I thought it was was Secret Service. Uh, It was was a law enforcement officer, at least in the video that I have seen, wearing a suit. Uh, You typically see Capitol Police uh, in uniform, clearly identifiable with the identifying badges uh, on their shoulders and breasts. Uh, Well, in this case, as... Uh, the, the claim is that as she was attempting to breach a perimeter uh, behind which was being protected uh, Vice President Pence, uh, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and various members uh, of Congress, including, we just learned today, uh, Chris Stewart. Uh, there was a perimeter established with locked doors and a stack of chairs, a giant stack of chairs. And as she uh, attempted to, to breach that perimeter, that's when the shot was fired. And, uh, and again, Capitol Police officer, the one pulling the trigger, and the chief of the, of the Capitol Police, uh, Stephen Sund, has let it be known that he is on administrative leave uh, according to you know, the policy they have there. And he points out that their police powers, the police powers held by this Capitol Police officer, uh, have been suspended pending the outcome of a joint Metro Police Department and U.S. Capitol Police investigation. A lot of people have been also asking about the number of arrests since yesterday, 82 uh, from my count, uh, several, most of those arrested by the Capitol Police, uh, some arrested by D.C. Police from 20 different states, from 20 different states. Uh, many of those arrests were for curfew violations, as we know, the mayor of D.C. putting a 6 p.m. Eastern time curfew in place yesterday as this breach, as the protesters were taking over the United States Capitol and also arrested for unlawful entry. They're also um, putting together a person of interest list, Lee. Dozens, dozens of people will be on this list, uh, a lot of them for receiving stolen property. So there goes to, that goes to show you that a lot of people took stuff from the Capitol. I mean, there's the guy that looked like he just came off the ski hill. Have you seen that picture? Yeah. I mean, he's just like carting a carting the lectern. Uh, through the through that uh, one area of the Capitol there, it looked like, uh, you know, just the, with a smile on his face. Yeah, the, the Hall of Statues, what he was carrying there was the, the, the lectern which bore the seal of the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, just casually uh, making his way through the, the Hall of Statues. Uh, latest info I have on him, he comes from Florida uh, and has been in, involved in this type of uh, behavior in the past. The FBI promising uh, more arrests are coming. Uh, they're coming through social media. We had a retired FBI counterterrorism supervisor, Carl Schmey, on the line with us today. He said, yep, they'll be looking at all of those social media posts. I mean, these individuals, really, when you think of a def- defense attorney's job, they are defense attorney's worst nightmare because they're posting all of this on social media. They're maskless. And in fact, we had defense attorney Greg Scordis. Of course, uh, he's a former prosecutor here in Utah as well. We had him on the David Dujanovic show. And I said, look, I mean, if you, if you just like got, you went into the Capitol, uh, what are you going to face? And he said, misdemeanor, uh, probably a, a f- federal, federal charge. Right. Uh, but if you're the guy with his leg propped across Speaker Nancy Pelosi's desk and all over social media, that's going to be a much more serious charge. That's something like insurrection or sedition. Those are felony charges. They carry a maximum prison term of up to 20 years. Um, if he's identified and it seems 
pretty clearly that he that he would be because he's his picture is very clearly shown. I mean, people like that are going to be are going to be rounded up fairly quickly. They're going to be prosecuted pretty aggressively, I would assume, because there's no there's no excuse for that. I mean, the the only reason he would have done something like that was to incite uh, to to create problems with the government and to to vandalize the, the federal property. The list of charges that will inevitably arise from what we saw plastered across our television screens yesterday is going to be a long one, uh, I expect, and I hope. You mentioned a moment ago that there is being around the perimeter of the Capitol building right now erected a seven foot uh, tall fence, uh, which is described to be impermeable, um, and it's to be there for 30 days. Now, if I'm doing calculator math, that will extend beyond uh, the inauguration. What do we know about uh, inauguration? Well, yesterday obviously was a clear failure in police security um, because of what happened. We know that. So when we talked to FBI supervisor, uh, former uh, FBI supervisor Carl Schmay today, he said they're going to have to create layers of security, not just uh, one layer of uh, you know police force, but also federal officers as the inauguration um you know, takes place on January 20th. I've attended, I went to the most recent inauguration, uh, and it was certainly an experience, but I cannot imagine that the the, the setup for the inauguration, which took place just four years ago, uh, will look anything like uh, what will be in place in just two weeks' time uh, due to the events of yesterday. Uh, Debbie, listen, I'd love to continue this conversation. You hear the music. That means it's time to turn things over to the news, folks, for a few minutes. Thanks, Lee. Thank you so much, Debbie Dejanovic uh, of uh, D2, <laughs> Dave and Debbie, uh, 9 to 11 here on KSL News Radio. Quick break. When we return, I want to share with you some of the most impactful words I heard on the floor of the United States Senate in the late hours of last night. That's coming up on Live Mike. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are continuing our coverage of the heartbreaking and devastating events which transpired on the grounds of the United States Capitol just 24 hours ago today. Let me tell you a real quick story. When I was growing up, uh, I grew up on a street called Eagle Street. It intersected with Hopkins. And one afternoon in the summertime, uh, on the corner of Eagle Street and Hopkins, when a bunch of us were outside playing, I think we uh, were playing with rollerblades and roller skates and such like that. We were all gathered together working on this ramp. And we heard, as we were getting this ramp put together, some shouting coming from around the corner. And we looked out there, and we saw that there, uh, from a distance, it was two people fighting, fist fighting in the street. And as we got closer, we realized that it was, it was uh, one of our friends and their father. I was very young at the time, and so were the rest of us that witnessed this event unfurl. After some back and forth, uh, uh, some of the bigger kids were able to wrestle them apart, and that was that. But the reason I share the story is because that event, which took place now maybe 30 years ago, I can still picture uh, clear as day today. I remember their names. I remember the uh, the clothes they were wearing. I remember the sounds of them striking one another. I remember their shouts. I remember uh, how we all felt, and I forever felt that. And it forever changed the way I viewed that family. Deservedly or undeservedly so, it changed my perception of them, as well as the perception uh, held of them by everyone else in the community, certainly those who had witnessed that fistfight in the street there. And I wonder 
if a similar event transpired just yesterday in the United States Capitol. I wonder if the events that played out on television will be so forever imprinted on the minds of not only those who live here in this country, but on those abroad, the citizens of other countries, be they our allies or our adversaries, and in particular, uh, the leaders of those nations. There have been some pretty strong words shared by the leaders of other nations. In the United Kingdom, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said it was a disgraceful scene. He continued saying the United States stands for democracy around the world, and it is now vital that there should be peace and orderly transfer of power. Disgraceful scenes in U.S. Congress, as he described them. Iran weighed in. Germany weighed in. Russia. Ireland, even. All of them with unfortunate words. Scottish First Minister uh, said the scenes from the Capitol are utterly horrifying. Solidarity with those in the United States of America on the side of democracy and the peaceful and constitutional transfer of power. Japan, France, Israel, Colombia, New Zealand, Turkey, Australia, Canada, Sweden, Norway, Zimbabwe, They all weighed in. They all saw what happened. What does that mean for the future? To help me get a better understanding of things, Miles Hansen is the president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, uh, joins us now to see uh, how we are being seen through the eyes of the rest of the world. Uh, Mr. Hansen, sir, welcome to the program. It's it's good to be on. I wish we were talking about a better subject, but uh, it's an important issue, and it's important for all of us to recognize that the world is watching, and all of us, should be ashamed of what it saw yesterday. 100%. Are we forever damaged? You know, that's a, that's a great question. You know, you, you reference a few uh, quotes from leaders. Uh, one that I saw that I actually appreciated from French uh, President Emmanuel Macron. He said, what happened today in Washington, D.C. is not America, definitely. We believe in the strength of our democracy. We believe in the strength of American democracy. And so there's no question that we took a hit yesterday, and it's a hit to our, our, our confidence, our prestige, uh, our soft power, our ability to influence things around the world to protect and advance U.S. interests. All of that is, is significantly weaker today than what, what it was you know, yesterday and the day before that, but it's not irreversible. And I think that's a critical thing, and I appreciate that, that sentiment from President Macron, because what we saw yesterday was not America. It is an opportunity and a responsibility for all of us to step up, to move forward, and to get back that prestige and that strength that we, that we squandered uh, yesterday. Is it a quick fix? Will January 21st uh, signal <laughs> in the, 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 the fix, or is this a wound that will take years to heal? No, I think this is something that's going to have to be sustained over an extended period of time. I think it's something that uh, we will do well as a country, to move forward, to rally for all of us, to heed uh, Governor Cox's call for each and every one of us to stand up and speak out, to denounce what we saw, and to take a look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing? How are we communicating with our friends, our families, our political opponents that is contributing to this environment that culminated in yesterday? And also, how do we make sure that that is the culmination? That's the worst it gets, and now we move forward. And if we collectively do that, and we do that in a significant way, in a very intentional way in the weeks and months to come, then I think the rest of the world will view yesterday as an aberration and not a trend. 
And if it's just an aberration, right, we can bounce back from that. But if we don't step up in a significant way, then I do think it it turns into something that is longer lasting and takes uh, much longer years to bounce back from. Uh, listen, I, I wish we could continue this conversation. So many questions I have for you uh, in terms of business and where things go from here and if we will see ripple effects uh, in trade around the world where uh, the United States finds itself. But we'll have to uh, reserve that for another day. Miles Hansen, president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, thank you for your input here today. Thanks, Lee. All right. We'll be done. In just a moment, we're going to take a break, but let me set the stage for the final segment of today's program. I have done much of the talking today. Uh, You've heard from some elected officials. You've heard from some other talk show hosts here at KSL. We just heard from the World Trade Center, Utah. This talk show experiment we have here is a two-way street. Many of you have been kind to share your thoughts via text message at 57500, again, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, I'd like you to continue doing so. Uh, And more than that, I'd like you to pick up the phone and give me a call. The number is 801-575-8255, 801-575-8255, KSL Talk is the number. Uh, They tell me at Talk Radio School uh, that you should ask very specific questions uh, when you go into segments like this. Well, I don't have a specific question. I really just want to know how you're doing. What was the reaction in your home? How do you feel about what you witnessed yesterday as an American? 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. I'll look for your comments on Twitter as well uh, and the KSL text line 57500. Quick break. Back with you on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am... Lee Lonsberry. This is our final segment of today's episode of the program. It's been a a difficult show, if I am honest, to get through as we uh, really seek to put back together the the broken pieces of yesterday. I saw things I I never thought I would see. I saw sights that were too outlandish uh, even to be included in movies, right? You know, you think about uh, some of the most uh, absurd movies, off-the-wall movies that you've ever seen, and could you imagine that there would be, uh, in reality, the scenes play out uh, that we saw just yesterday. I, I apologize for being so somber on this. I, I'm, apo- I, I, I'm sorry that uh, I have kind of foisted upon you some of the melancholy that I feel because one of the one of the great one of the great uh, realities about living life here is that the government is really just a small part of things. You and I have lives that are much bigger than the goings-on in Washington, D.C., right? Uh, We have kids to play with. uh, We have jobs to attend to. We have lawns to take care of and roofs to make sure don't need replacing. And when our attention is so enraptured by what happens in, uh, in that place, it's an unfortunate thing. Government should exist in the background. It's too bad. Uh, that it has foisted itself uh, to the center stage. I've asked for uh, some of your thoughts, some of your comments, and uh, in a moment we'll get to some of those that have come in via text message. But Reed is calling from Salt Lake City. Uh, we'll welcome Reed to the program. Reed, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, I just had a couple of thoughts. As, as a Utah, um, Chris Stewart is my congressman, and he went along with this uh, with this kind of. Um, delaying or protesting the certification of the votes. Um, he released a statement saying that it was due to irregularities, and I would like to 
just get some clarification from him. I think he owes Utah um, more specifics on what those irregularities were actually were. I think that's a very fair question. Incredibly fair. Um, uh, and I, you know, I've asked him uh, a few times for those clarifications, and uh, and maybe it'll be letters sent to his office or phone calls or something, uh, and maybe a more full uh, and satisfactory response will come. Uh, he exists in a minority of representatives uh, who believe that there were. Uh, you know, questionable results, possibly sufficient to change the results of the election. But uh, but your curiosity uh, is one that I share. Uh, Reed, let me ask you, how have you been spending the past 24 hours? How have the conversations been with family and friends? Um, it's been it's been pretty frustrating. I think that a lot of people are just shocked with the, by what they're saying. And, um, you know, I yeah, I'm not it doesn't give me a lot of a lot of hope for 2021 20, to be better than the last year. But uh yeah, hopefully, hopefully it is. What needs to happen in your estimation for things to, to, to look brighter on the horizon? Oh, I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Reed, thanks for listening. Thanks for weighing yep. in. Uh, and maybe we'll speak again sometime soon. Uh, let me turn now to the the text message line. Again, if you'd like to weigh in via text, 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. And there is still some time for you to get on the phone. That number is 801 801- Five seven five eight two five five or eight zero one KSL talk. A question came in earlier today as I was walking through some of the comments uh, shared on the floor, specifically of the United States Senate. Once business resumed after the agitators were expelled from the building, I, I said that there was a, a senator named Ben Sass, who uh, a student of history, uh, someone who's dedicated their educational life. Uh, to exploring the the history of this great country and the world, and has you know after a career of his own made his way into the United States Senate. His name is Ben Sass. A texter asks, "Hey, could you remind me the name of that senator? I didn't get a chance to write it down. I'll tell you what. I'll do you one better. Uh, I've got a few minutes here. Ben Sass is his name, and here is an excerpt of what he had to say last night uh, that gave me a good reason to be optimistic uh, for brighter days on the horizon." Colleagues. Today has been ugly, and um, when I came to the floor this morning, I planned to talk about uh, the lesson of 1801, because I'm kind of a history nerd, and I wanted to celebrate the glories of the peaceful transition of power across our nation's history. feels a little naive now to talk about ways that American civics might be something that could unite us in bringing us back together. 1801 blew everybody's mind all over the world, by the way. Uh, John Adams loses to Thomas Jefferson. And uh, Adams willingly leaves the executive mansion and moves back to Massachusetts, and Jefferson peacefully assumes power. And people all over Europe said, Those must be, that must be fake news. Those must be bad reports. There's no way any executive would ever willingly lay down power. And yet Adams, in defeat, did something glorious to give all of us a gift. I wanted to celebrate that. And it feels a little bit harder now. This building has been desecrated. Blood has been spilled in the hallways. Um, I was with octogenarian members of this chamber that needed to have uh, troops and police stabilize them to get down the stairs at a time when a lot of our staffs were panicked and under their desks and not knowing what was going to happen to them. It was ugly today. But you know what? It turns out that when something's ugly, talking about beauty isn't just permissible. Talking about beauty is obligatory in a time like that. Why? Why would we talk about beauty after the ugliness of today? 
because our kids need to know that this isn't what America is. What happened today isn't what America is. They've been given a glorious inheritance. That's Ben Sass. Uh, and keep your eye on him. Uh, I think he will be one uh, where much attention will be paid. Uh, and would his aspirations extend uh, beyond the United States Senate? I think a fair guess might be yes. Ben Sass. Uh, some interesting comments last night. You saw the example that he shared uh, of John Adams uh, peacefully fading into the next chapter of his life after uh, after vacating the office of the president. Oh, if we could enjoy something like that today. We have 13 days left in the Trump administration. There are a number of choices to be made by a number of people that will define uh, and steer the course of these next 13 days. President Trump himself is probably the most powerful uh, and sits in the position of most power uh, to to influence these days. Others, though, have some decisions to make on their own. The vice president, the cabinet of the United States, and the various members of the House and Senate who may find themselves having to decide between the vice president, Mike Pence, and President Donald Trump, the real line in the sand. Anyway, we'll see how it shapes up. Maybe an impeachment. Who knows? We'll continue to follow this uh, over the next as long as it takes. Uh, But my heart is healing. Today, the past two and a half hours, hanging out here with you, hearing from various lawmakers and uh, folks uh, who I have a great admiration for, folks like Boyd and uh, Debbie, even uh, Miles at World Trade Center, Utah, uh, there is an optimistic tone throughout. I am now sharing that, and I hope you'll feel that as well. The greatest example of why we have good reason to be looking forward to a brighter horizon is that in the darkest hour of yesterday, we were as a country and specifically as a legislative body. Those members of Congress were able to rally uh, those charged with protecting them, were able to clear that building, and they were able to return to business, returning to work. That's a good example. Uh, it's a good, uh, a good lesson that has been taught and a good example for you and I to follow. You and I can get right back up and get back to work. Uh, and I might be the one who needs to learn that lesson the most. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back to work. And I'm going to meet you here tomorrow at 1230 on the next episode of Live Mike here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.